Welcome to Pregnancy Help Podcast. We have a bonus episode for you uh, on the Dobbs case as we're talking about some of the recent updates and things that have happened. Um, so these are, are some really interesting times. So along those lines, now is really the time to be ready, to be well-trained and prepared to serve an influx of clients. Uh, so you can help your volunteers and staff prepare by sending them to Heartbeat International's Pregnancy Help Institute, which is happening this year in Columbus, Ohio at the end of July. We have three tracks, new director, development and leadership tracks. And we're also hosting a Love Approach Ultrasound hands-on training that week as well. So I love this training in particular because it takes place in a smaller group environment. You have the chance to ask questions and have discussions with experts in pregnancy help. So you don't want to miss this and you can find out more as registration just opened. Uh, So find out more at heartbeatservices.org under the training tab. And now I will turn things over to our host, Betty McDowell. Hey, thank you so much, Christine. Uh, it is so good to be here today to have Jarrell Godsey, president of Heartbeat International, and Danielle White, our general counsel here at Heartbeat International. Um, one of the benefits, I think, of, of being on staff at Heartbeat is that not only are we colleagues, but we're friends. And so when things happen uh, in our personal lives or happen in something happens in relation to the movement, it's not uncommon for us to get on text or even calls or emails or uh, gifts or gifs or memes or whatever. All of the above. <laughs> to continue conversation. So uh, putting that in play and thinking about um, Jarell, because I've, I've heard you say it, uh, I don't know, in history, it's been accredited, accredited to lots of different people, but that's um, the verbiage, may you live in interesting times. Um, I think that that continues for us. Uh, in our world. And uh, last night was one of those interesting moments in the times uh, within which we live. So I thought it would be great to allow others to sit in on kind of a conversation that we would normally have about such topics and such issues. So let's start by talking about the fact that something happened uh, that we really witnessed the first time in history, or at least modern history, uh, that something happened and what it means in terms of the pregnancy help movement, what it means for us, and not just this issue, but what it relates to, which is really the Dobbs case. So Danielle, how about we start with you and you kind of just lay out the groundwork on on what we're really talking about as if people don't already know, because it'll be in the title. Yeah, that's right. So on May 2nd, Uh, Politico released a draft opinion. This is a first draft opinion by Justice Alito. Um, The draft dates to February 10th. And again, it's a first draft. Um, So the first and most important thing that we need to recognize is that the court has not ruled on Roe. It has not issued an official opinion. This is a draft. And we have to remember that the draft was from February. So, you know, we're sitting here in May. The court has been working hard. They know they're going to release the opinion by the end of June. It would be silly to assume that nothing has changed from that draft. Um, So, we just have to recognize that a lot of what we're talking about now is just speculation. Um, It's it's exciting news. It's certainly great to see where the you know where the court was headed from the perspective of knowing that you know this is a reality that this is a this is a real possibility. But we also have to recognize that it ain't over till it's over, and it's not over. Um, and uh, 
yeah. So it's it's definitely the, the headline, though. I think that's the most accurate thing we can say is that the Supreme Court has voted to overturn Roe. Like that, we can have confidence in. At least I, I think what we saw was a five to three, and and then there have been some updates since then that basically says. The reason that Alito was caused to draft, I mean, there's some structure that hints at that vote and what the vote actually meant. Isn't that right, Daniel? Yeah, that's true. And so you have Alito drafting the opinion. Um, and what that means that the court voted to overturn Roe is that now they're, they have to work this all out in drafting. And there have been, uh, there's been another leak that's come out where CNN is reporting that Justice Roberts would not have gone um, with the majority to overturn Roe. So the question is, in the time between um, when they voted and now, has Justice Roberts convinced any other justice to join him in, an, a, in a concurring opinion, or has he convinced enough justices to come away from that original stance such that the Alito opinion that was released will not actually be the majority opinion? That's a possibility. It's a possibility that um, that the Alito opinion is is a concurring opinion and there's a different majority. We have to remember that this happened. This has happened to us before in the Planned Parenthood versus Casey case uh, where there was a last minute change in vote um, from Justice Kennedy. And so just the caution here is that we're just, we don't know. We just don't know yet what what this is all going to shake out to be. One of the, one of the questions that's come up is just the legitimacy of uh, that, this report. And I think that as of this moment in time, um, it appears that it really is a legitimate draft. Again, it was draft, you said, in February, so things may have changed since then, but it really is a legitimate draft. Yes. The court has released um, a, a statement and they say that it is a legitimate. The court has confirmed that it is a legitimate draft, but it is not a final draft. Um, this is this is an unprecedented thing that you know. I, you know, you mentioned Betty in in modern American legal history. This is just not something that happens. A draft of a, an opinion being released like this, um, it's concerning. It's concerning because it works to undermine the rule of law in this country. And that's a serious problem. Um, we, we have to believe, we have to have a country that where the rule of law is, um, is, is paramount and, and where we can rest assured that our court has considered cases and has uh, released opinions that are not unduly influenced by the media, by the mob, by um, public opinion. That, you know, that's part of the reason that Roe was so egregious to begin with and that Casey was so egregious to begin with was that the court was not rooting its opinions in the Constitution. They were playing this, you know, legislative, put put my finger in the air and see how the public is is trending. And, um, you know, this is, a, a, I think, a last-ditch effort to make that be how the rule of law is arrived at. And, and that cannot stand in our country. They are, they are rightly influenced by 
the the actions of the republic as far as the states are being voted. So I, I certainly understand, like, we, you know, hey, because, oh my goodness, something is trending on Twitter should not really be a, a reason to uh, alter a vote on a ruling. But because, but when, when I, like, for instance, in my naivete, I used to think it kind of silly when one state made a rule and that was then challenged, and then other states kind of lined up behind it, making the same rule, like, well, hey, you know, step back, step back, you know, let, let the let the court figure this out and then do your thing. But actually, I've come to understand like the fact that like since Dobbs came out, since the heartbeat bill in Texas came out, you have other states that have been moving and that is the that is the the um, constitutional process in in action. So that's not the mob per se, and frankly, it's you know it doesn't matter whether it's the media or not. It is it is the republic speaking the way that the republic best does, and then also best informs the court about public opinion. It is the republic, and then the that is the public opinion being expressed through how at least our system of government should should allow is the people's representatives speaking on behalf of the people they represent right that that is a fair action and and, and that's really the underpinning of the whole issue as well would you would you not agree counselor <laughs> <laughs> well i dare not say no <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, d I do agree. Uh, but the the pressure on the court should should come not through these these leaks um, by some clerk potentially, uh, but should come through our elected representatives and through our process, through through, you know, voting through the legislatures making laws. Um, and so that's, I think, what is so disheartening about this. This is just an egregious breach of, you know, gosh, of ethics for attorneys and, you know, any attorneys that are listening to this, I'm sure we're especially floored because we are the, as the public, we're pretty used to things leaking. It's not all that unusual that things leak. It's very unusual at the Supreme Court. And so attorneys, especially were really, really floored by this. And I think part of what makes it so heartbreaking is that regardless of how this comes out, how this opinion comes out, this works to undermine the authority and the authenticity of that opinion. This works to undermine the process. And we have if we, within the court, within yes. the court itself. Yes. That, and the, I, I want to get to the leak in a minute, but let's talk about okay, if if the if the Alito is the majority opinion, and, and I, and with the caveat that we don't absolutely know that for sure, what does it say? Yeah, so the opinion is really an uncompromising reversal of Roe and Casey. It would return the issue of abortion to the states um, where, you know, candidly, it, it always belonged. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's stunning. It's stunning. And very, very powerful in, it, in its way to the point. I think even Alito, uh, at least the according to the draft that was released or leaked, it, it, he does talk about the states were actually moving, and yet the action of the court abruptly interrupted the state's ability to do any of that, and that that was the they were tipping the scales. That some have called Roe a an act of a super legislature versus a, a, a constitutional understanding of um, of the legal argument. And I think Alito speaks to that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, part of what makes reversing Roe so exciting 
um, is that this that now the country can work the way it was intended to work, which is that the states were intended to be laboratories of public policy. And once you get Roe out of the way, the states can now get creative. The people can get to work. They can go to their legislatures. The legislatures can enact uh, laws and and try some things, things that we haven't been able to try because the Supreme Court has just said absolutely not and has not allowed the democratic process to play out the way that it was intended to to work. So what is the challenge? Sorry, Betty, I'm jumping in here and asking questions because Danielle haven't and I haven't really had a chance to kind of walk through this. What is the isn't that the concern then? It's like, well, we end up with a patchwork of laws uh, across the state, as if that doesn't exist anywhere else. And, and yet, isn't that, isn't that the, that's a feature, not a bug, right? Exactly, exactly. That's exactly the way our country is supposed to work, because the states are so different in their makeup, in their character, in their culture, in their values. And so to have the these questions decided at the national level and then crammed down to everyone as if all these states are exactly the same just doesn't make sense. That's So it's this, this ability of the states to really grapple with um what the policy should be in their locality that makes this country work as well as it does. And so a patchwork of laws is not, it's nothing new. It's nothing scary. We've been doing this for a long time. Um, and yeah, I think what you said of it's, it's a feature, not a bug is, is absolutely true. So if I knew how to use Twitter, I would be tempted to tweet something like, if you don't like living in an estate that protects uh, women from abortion, then don't live there, right? Is that, like that's kind of turning a phrase back on them. If you don't, if you don't like abortion, don't have one. But you know, don't don't have a law that doesn't allow me to have one. Well, that that that's exactly the whole nature of of our government and how it should work. Is that these are laws that are made by the politicians, not the the people in black robes. Yeah, nine unelected judges. I wanted to talk a little bit more about what Alito said or what was put out in the Politico report. Because I know when I read through it last night, uh, it reminded me of a certain amicus brief uh, that was filed. And so I wanted to know if you would comment a little bit about that, uh, because I feel like Alito, while he didn't mention that particular amicus brief, he certainly pointed to uh, what you uh, put into the Supreme Court on behalf of Heartbeat International and women. So share a little bit about that, please, Danielle. Yeah, so Heartbeat submitted an amicus brief in this case, and I had the honor of um, drafting that amicus brief while I was on maternity leave with with my uh, fourth baby, a little girl. And, you know, really the crux of the brief was that um, women don't need abortion. And one of the reasons, one of the key reasons that women do not need abortion is because of the assistance that's available to them through pregnancy help. You know, we have a robust network of pregnancy help that has grown in size and scope since, certainly since Roe and even since Casey, you know, back in 1992, when Casey was decided, there were only three pregnancy centers that were offering medical services, such as ultrasounds to women. Now that number is over 2000. And so it's just changed the landscape of um, women walking through an unexpected pregnancy has really changed. And it's it's really disheartening as a woman to read the Casey opinion when you read that women have come to rely on abortion in order to participate equally in the social and economic life of the nation. I just think that that's such an 
a disempowering message. And it's not true. It's not true. Women do not need abortion in order to pursue their dreams, in order to pursue careers, education, relationship goals. And, um, and so to pretend that the country sits at the exact same place as it did when Roe was decided, or even when Casey was decided is just, is just not true. And so that's, that's an excellent reason. One of the great reasons why the court need not just stick to precedent. Um, and, and why, as, as Justice Alito says in his opinion, um, that stare decisis, which is, again, that idea that the court is going to stick to its precedents, um, stand by the things it's already decided, um, stare decisis is not an in, inexorable command. Um, easy for me to say. Uh, <laughs> Um, and so the court can go back and reevaluate its precedents. And when they are egregiously wrong, as the Alito draft says, um, can overturn them. Thanks, Danielle. So if we're looking at this, we see, okay, first time in history that this leak occurs, um, perhaps to put pressure on the Supreme Court justices to, I don't know, succumb to the pressure and make some changes in decision. Uh, the bottom line is that we we really don't know. We don't know what happens next. Um, we don't know what the opposition will do to try to take advantage of this. Uh, but if we were to take it on face value, uh, it certainly is good news. No matter what, good news or even bad news in this. Um, I'd like you, Jarrell, to talk a little bit about what what does that mean then to those of us in pregnancy help? What does it mean to the centers? Well, that's been our question. Like, since really knowing that this was a possible course uh, that the Dobbs case was going to provide, right? We, we, we weren't sure what the path would be, even, you know, even as we see this information that as the more information comes out, um, you know, ro- even without Roberts, Roberts looks like was willing to uphold the 15 week, which was kind of hinted at in his oral argument, which was, uh, we're, which we both Danielle and I were on the ground for that uh, in DC. Um, but there's, you know, there's an understanding. It's like, this doesn't, that while this is a major thing, if it if indeed it holds and the vote stays as it is, in my mind, it should be strengthened. I I think Roberts should change his mind and change in favor as in as a reaction to the leak. I know that, frankly, I think all the justices should just on principle make this a nine zero vote. Um, they won't because they can't. Their ideology doesn't allow them to. But they should, in a in a repudiation of the of this fact that hey, we're not going to be bullied. We're not going to be leaked. But that's a comment on the on the courts. I want to comment on this. Doesn't necessarily alter anything that the pregnancy centers are doing at all. I mean, w- the the pregnancy help existed shortly after the very first state uh, uh, enlisted Col- uh, Colorado in '67. And California and North Carolina and Oregon, all those four states happened in 67. What it what what happened? The pregnancy help movement was born. Because while the while these courts can move in direction and laws can be made and other things can happen, women and and the, especially those that are unexpectedly pregnant, not knowing where to turn, need to have somewhere to turn. That is every bit about what pregnancy help is. And that's why in, in moving into this reality of a um, of of now having abortion states 
we have to now also recognize the value of life states, right? So as several states have moved intentionally towards uh, towards uh, not just not just allowing abortion, but actually funding it, and not just funding the act of abortion, but somehow uh, you know creating money in their budget to help people to come to their state to have abortions. That is appalling on its face, but that's where the ideology of abortion is taken hold the most. And then the other side, we have states that are making themselves life states, like some are very uh, far along in this, you know, Texas, heartbeat bill. Um, uh, since then, South Dakota, uh, uh, Florida has joined the Mississippi camp and Oklahoma is now taking it even further. All of these states are now moving, or if not in a full-on life life uh, position. Alabama tried to do this, you know, a couple years ago. So there will be those states that will move to be full-on life states. And of course, those that are unfortunately moving to be uh, full-on protectors of abortion. And so these things are going to be happening. And guess what? Pregnancy help lives in both, both of those. And pregnancy, particularly the centers, I think of those pregnancy centers, and particularly who are on on the border or who are within striking distance, they may live in a life state, but the abortion state is a neighboring state. We know this happens, uh, you know, with those some of the states surrounding Illinois, for instance. You know, Illinois has uh, taken that taken that that path. Uh, California certainly has. Um, New Mexico is a is a huge abortion state where neighboring Texas is is increasingly full on life state. So um, ha- ha- we're, these are the environments where it's still going to be necessary to love women into life-affirming decisions. Uh, because in, in one sense, the abortion states are where the greatest oppression from abortion will exist, but it's going to be everywhere. And, and, fr- and frankly, it's not even going to be a matter of what state they're in because the abortion industry has been changing. They've been anticipating this state for a long time. They've been moving towards a chemical abortion reality where they don't care what state you're in. They're going to mail you your abortion so that it's not about walking through the door of Planned Parenthood. It's about opening the door and finding this medication on your front porch and then making the door of your bathroom the door that's going to be your abortion clinic of the future the, or of the present, in fact. So these are realities that the pregnancy help movement is shifting to as well. Um, and that's what we've been called to. We've been called to help her in this situation, not not to um, not to let her fall into the trap of the predatory act, acts of, of abortion or its abortion providers. So all pregnancy help organizations, that's pregnancy centers, medical clinics, the adoption agencies, the maternity homes, our mobile units um, across the way, not only does their work continue, but in many ways, it's probably going to increase. And we've already seen that really happening in some of the states that you've mentioned. That's pretty, pretty good. And uh, yeah, Texas, Texas showed us the way. I mean, you know, the, yes. the fact that the Texas Harpy Bill was able to stick uh, in September, it really gave us a um, test tube, for instance. Uh, it's kind of one of the values of having 50 states that, that have their own laws. Is like, wow, suddenly we could all see how did that work for them? Well, we did see a huge number of women rush across the, the state lines to, uh, to New Mexico, Oklahoma even, uh, Louisiana. There were, there, were, uh, there were women who were able to intentionally drive across to, to get their abortions that they wanted. 
But what also happened, which doesn't get reported enough in my mind, is that there were women who were suddenly saying, you mean I don't have to have an abortion? We heard this at Option Line. We heard this from the centers themselves in Texas. So yes, the number of abortions went up in the states surrounding Texas, but also the number of pregnancy centers client numbers presenting in that time frame also went up. So we know that that's a reality that will be um, in, in every life state, uh, and but also uh, hopefully as well in, in some of the, the abortion states, there will be women going, wait, I don't have to get an abortion. The law, you know, I, I can be protected. Even though that that's not the re- may not be the reality in their state, they may be reading and understanding that is a reality in other states that will give them courage to do and and then they're going to need our help again we're, this is why the pregnancy help movement exists that's really good stuff Jarrell. i know um when we were doing the series the Dobbs series so there's there's we've got webinars and we've got podcasts on that one of the things i remembered out of that was that danielle talked about um, right, it was right after you guys were in Washington, D.C., and the Supreme Court was looking at this particular case. I remember you saying, Danielle, you know, like a decision probably is made fairly quickly, but we need to pray because in that process, that's where minds can sometimes be changed and votes can sometimes be changed. And so um, it really continues, doesn't it? The need to pray for our Supreme Court. Uh, justices. And so thinking about that, what what kinds of things should we really be praying about when it comes to this particular case and this situation in particular? That's a great question. I think that one of the most important things we can pray for is for the safety of our justices. This is a very contentious issue. Um, the, the outcome of this case could be influenced if there's a justice who's not able to vote. And so I think we have to, we really need to pray for the safety of the justices, for the safety of their families. I imagine that the pressure that they're feeling is um, unparalleled, I think. And I think they're the same with their clerks. Um, I think we need to pray for the rule of law in this country. I think it's critical that we have a Supreme Court that is reliable and that even if people don't agree with opinions that they uh, that they believe that they can work through the system to change the opinion rather than by leaking and and mob you know violence or 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 even just you know public opinion at a time that's not proper as the court is is trying to decide cases. So I think to pray for the rule of law is really critical. Um, and keep praying for our centers. Keep praying for pregnancy pregnancy centers who are, you know, wading through all of this on the ground. One of the things that I've told, um, you know, just friends and family who have said, oh, how will your job change if, if Roe is overturned? You know, in, in one sense, it, it doesn't because the reality is that the very next day uh, we would wake up and pregnancy centers all across America would open and they would continue serving women just as they've done for the last five decades. There's lots of things that that will change, um, but but that won't. And so to pray for continued support for centers and for continued courage for people who are really stepping into women's lives and helping them through what is a very challenging time for them. Um, those are critical prayer needs. Thanks, Danielle. I would, I would say I would say 
to add to that, Danielle, it's not so much what the pregnancy help movement is going to do; it's what the church going to do. Um, this is a this is really a new season for the church to re-engage. Now, I, I don't want to say it like they're totally disengaged because the pregnancy help movement, as it is, is the church in action by and large. It's not that there aren't people that are that are outside the church are involved in that as well, but by and large, it is the 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 everything but the steeple, right? It is the church. It is the people. It, it's it's the people in action. It's a uh, special forces of the church. But that has allowed, I believe, that has allowed the church to to have a population that is somewhat complacent on the issue of, yeah, we vote, yeah, oh, we good, we, you know, our church gives to the pregnancy center. Great, that's awesome. But now is the time to do more, to, to step in and say, we because we're going to need, uh, you know, I, I was challenged, the scripture talks about, um, uh, Jesus said this, right, the fields are white to harvest, but the laborers are few. So we're going to need more laborers to be involved with this. We're going to need certainly more donors, certainly more people that are willing to give of their, of their out of their treasure, but we're we're also going to need more time and more talent because if as things increase uh, and and more uh, more women come to the centers or seeking the service of the center or their issues are greater than the centers have been able to deal with, we're going to need to see more of the church engaged. That means more pastors uh, uh, challenging their people to get involved. That means more women's ministry encouraging uh, people to get involved. And then centers also adapting to, to make sure that at the, as the center, we are offering people um, more opportunities to get involved. You know, how do, how we have to, we're going to have to think differently than we've thought before. We have, to do, we have to do what we know works, what we know is successful, but also adapt to this new environment. And that's going to mean some major things. You know, we talked uh, at our 50th just last year about having needing more people, needing more places, and needing more pathways. And that's going to be more true now than ever. We didn't know how true that was even a year and a half ago when, uh, when we had our, our uh, conference, our 50th anniversary conference, but it is going to be true. It is true, and it's going to be even more so as we step uh, into the reality of a ruling like this. And of a of a, if this is made official, then we're going to have lots lots more to do. And it's the church that's going to have to wake up to new engagement. So I heard a lot of good stuff in here about uh, we need to pray, we need to keep serving, we need to adapt to the times, we need to keep learning. They're the, uh, learn to um, or keep giving. There's so much that we can do. And uh, we have some good resources like pregnancyhelpnews.com. We've already got articles out. And in closing, um, I just want to go back to both of you and uh, take the question very quickly on uh, center directors, those who are serving leaders, whether that's in a maternity home or pregnancy center, who might be being approached by media right now and asking for their thoughts or their opinions um, or even the concerns that they might have of people who are unfriendly, who might be harassing them. Uh, what word of encouragement, what word of advice would each of you give to those leaders? So I think <clears throat> it's really important to continue to emphasize that the final opinion is not out. It's really important to let the court do their job, let them speak for themselves. They have not yet spoken. And so reminding people that this is not a final opinion, it was a leak of a draft. And the reality is that the pregnancy center, this is an opportunity for the pregnancy center to talk about the work that they're doing, regardless of how Dobbs comes out 
the pregnancy center has the opportunity now to continue to share what they're doing to help women. But I, I think it would be a trap to opine about um, where the leak came from and what does it mean and all of that. I, I just think that we have to be patient. We have to wait for this process to play out the way that it is intended um, and, and uh, you know, and pray and pray. What do you want to add to that, Jarrell? Thanks. I was looking for, make sure I got a good scripture reference. Um, so in Acts chapter 18, you have Paul speaking or Paul is in a situation and, you know, he's, he's challenged on all sides because he's been talking about the gospel. He's been confronted by it. And the encouragement to him comes from the Holy Spirit it says, it's in red letters in the book of Acts, which is always an interesting thing because God speaking. It says, go on speaking for, you know, basically for I'm with you. And so we need to be bold in speaking about what God has called us to do. And we need not to shrink back from the opportunity. Now, we need to be wise as serpent, as gentle as doves in doing it. So let's take every opportunity, even those ones that present to us as um, potentially difficult. Uh, we want to go with the wisdom that Danielle talked about. Hey, I don't know that the, any of this is really what's going to happen. But we are here. Like, go to your messaging. Go, go to exactly what you do. And, you know, this is where we have some information on agreement statements. And make sure that we can say, well, I don't know about all of this. All I know is that no woman, no woman should feel so alone that she feels the only pathway before her is to terminate the life of her child. Like, there's an agreement statement. And at the very least, we should say, well, I don't know. But everyone, I don't know about, about that, all of that, but every woman should be loved and supported in her pregnancy. Those are things we can all agree on and should agree on. We have that. And, and here's the good news. We, our goal isn't to make abortion illegal. Our goal is to help a woman so that she doesn't need an abortion, regardless of its legality. So all of that is important to us. It's connected to us. But but it's it's not something that we are absolutely reliant upon because we are here to help her not need abortion. And that's our ultimate goal. And so I think we can speak to that boldly um, with, uh, with the proper care and compassion that we need to have. And you know what? There are some people that just want to argue and they want to take away from the moment. And so that for that, I would kind of reflect back to Nehemiah, where the, the guys are, you know, they're outside the camp and they're just yelling stuff because they're just trying to distract us from the work. You know what? We have we have our spear in one hand and our our rock replacing tool in the other hand, whatever that was, and we're building the wall, uh, as Nehemiah said, and, and it's the wall that helps her uh, uh, be protected from the, again, the the actions of those who would want to take away from her. So we want to be there to help her. We can do that with grace. We can do that with God's, uh, with God's confidence. And we can do that with the knowledge that we, uh, we are here to help her, plain and simple. And that's what we can communicate well. Thank you. Thank both of you. Appreciate the time with you, Jarrell, and with you, Danielle. Um, we certainly do live in interesting times. I, for one, am very grateful that I get to live in these interesting times with you two and, uh, and those who are serving in the movement. So with that, I'm going to turn it back over to you, Christine. Thanks, Betty. Yeah, the resources that were mentioned, a lot of those can be found on heartbeatinternational.org slash Dobbs. We have links to the podcast episodes. We have links to the Pregnancy Help News articles, some of the webinars and other trainings, all focused on Dobbs um, so that you can be prepared for whatever happens. So stay tuned. We'll have more for you soon uh, as more of this unravels and uh, be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. So with that, we thank you for listening to this episode of the Pregnancy Help Podcast.